Christian, hello, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good, my friend. How are you? Good, good, good. How was your week? I uh, can't really complain. Um, worked uh, a few extra days this week. One of our doctors is away on vacation, so we're all kind of pulling together here. So worked uh, a little bit extra this week, which was, I mean, it is what it is. But um, but now on the weekend and enjoying some uh, time at home with the family. How about you? Mm, most excellent. That's right, because uh, listeners will listen to this uh, sometime after um, Canada Day and Independence Day, but uh, listeners, we're recording right around that time. So uh, Christian and I are right in the thick of one of the best weekends of the year. Um, I've already celebrated Canada Day and uh, I, had a, I had a pretty good day, you know, it was a good, uh, good sunny weather. Do you have any plans for Independence Day? Uh, yeah, big plans. Uh, redoing the kitchen floor. <laughs> hot damn uh redoing it with fireworks i trust uh yeah no the floor will be made of fireworks yes yeah absolutely <laughs> there's uh, when one does anything on independence day it is with fireworks so we have to abide by tradition nice well built in built in toaster i guess you know if you ever need a backup yeah but the problem is is there's only really one setting <laughs> You know, like everything's just burnt. Yeah. So it's like a t it's like the toaster that only goes to the highest level. Right. So there's a there's unfortunately no medium rare with this. But, uh, you know, that's OK. I like a good sear on a lot of things. So it's <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah, it's great for creme brulee. Um, I know growing up our tradition on Canada Day, I think something you and I both shared was that NHL free agency always opens on July 1st, Canada Day. And that's something I always remember. Now, of course, uh, I hate to show our age a little bit here, Christian, but you and I grew up in the days before smartphones. So I trust that you, like me on Canada Day, got most of your news from, you know, seeing it uh, scrolling on the on the screen, on the TV behind the convenience store that you were in on Canada Day or something. And you'd say, oh, my God, Joe Thornton just signed with, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I remember always uh, yeah, like the ticker, you know, it was either the score or heck, even CBC and TSN, you know, it was always the ticker and they'd always have the little, you know, breaking news that would show up and you'd always be sitting there, you know, waiting to go. We didn't have, you know, Twitter and all of that uh, back in my day. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's yeah. Smartphones kind of I feel like it kind of ruined it kind of ruins the fun almost because now it's like breaking news like before it actually happens. Absolutely. There's no, uh, there's none of that anticipation. You know, there's nothing spreading like wildfire. It's just, it's, it hasn't happened one second and then the next second it has, and it's in your palm, but, uh, maybe I'm just uh, being a bit nostalgic. Otherwise, are we coming up? Uh, it's looking pretty good. Unfortunately, my wife is uh, about to have her wisdom teeth out and I'll be shortly, uh, after to follow her. Christian, do you have your wisdom teeth out? I had my wisdom teeth out when I was a teenager. Um, wow. wow. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those like at the time I was having dental work done and the uh, orthodontist and then the dentist was basically like, yeah, you uh, you might as well get these out while we're doing this. So I was like, oh, OK, because um, I was having some teeth realigned. So I didn't realize that people still got their wisdom teeth out like in their 30s. I felt like that was something like if you had them by the time you were that old, they just stayed. Are they really well, that much of an issue? What can I say? I guess I just lack wisdom. I mean, who knows? I um, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, the dentist was describing to me that um, nowadays they they tend to recommend it for anybody. You know, it seems like almost anybody will get their wisdom teeth out. And um, you know, last time I was there, this you know during my residency, they uh, um, kind of said, you know, let's put it off for a little bit. It's not as urgent. I had said, let's put it off for a little bit. And now here we are, right at the crossroads. But it's interesting that me and my wife are both in the same position because uh, I guess we're a little bit atypical. Anyways, what was your recovery time like? Because uh, I'm hoping it won't put me out for too long. No, I was, uh, it was a pretty quick recovery. Although, um, I will, a full disclosure, um, I remember, you know, breathing in the cold air of the nitrous oxide and then I woke up in the car. <laughs> so I don't uh, have too much of a recollection other than that. But uh, I remember, you know, being driven home and I mean, I think I was out of it for the rest of the day and maybe had some, uh, you know, sore cheeks for uh, a day or two. But uh, I mean, otherwise, I think I was back to normal pretty quickly. So um, didn't really have too much. Now, funny story. My brother, when he had his removed um, and I'm going to show my Hamiltonian uh, side of me a little bit. There's a, a mini highway that goes through Hamilton called the Link, the Lincoln mm, Alexander yes. Parkway. Yeah, um, and so we were, my mom was driving that home and my brother decided that it was just time to get out of the car. So 
uh, he was in the passenger seat and I was behind him and I literally had to like full Nelson him in, in the car because he just kept reaching for the handle because he just he's like, oh, we're home. I guess it's time to get out. And, and he's like, obviously, a- very drunkenly trying to, you know, uh, fumble with the door. Um, so that was a little bit uh, eventful. And this is a legitimate parkway, if I, if I recall. Right. This is like for our American listeners. This is basically an interstate, if I'm if I'm remembering. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, for. Uh, yeah, this it's like I mean, it's 100 kilometers an hour. So what, 65? <laughs> like it's a it's a yeah, like it's a you're going. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, a this podcast episode puts our lives in a little less danger than uh, wisdom teeth, and but hopefully, it makes you laugh even more than laughing gas does. Christian, do you want to load it up? Let's load it up. little monkeys jumping on the bed to jumped off and started a podcast welcome to the dad joke loading podcast i'm chris he's christian from either side of niagara falls we are dad joke loading here to talk to you for another week about all things fatherhood um growing growing up as two young men together um and as always we'd like to thank the people that make this possible um of course producer ryan thank you for everything that you do michael spicer music for all those great sounds that you hear vishal murthy the vet cartoonist and of course our beautiful and wonderful wives and daughters christian my friend how are you doing this week I'm doing well, thank you. I think we have one more thank you that I feel like we always forget, um, which is the listeners. And thank yeah, you for uh, for being along this ride with us because without you, uh, we'd just be two guys weirdly video chatting and talking about stuff. So, <laughs> Well said, Christian. Thank you to the listeners and listeners. Hit us up, dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com or check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, um, Christian's got that all down on Loke. So we would love to hear from you. Um, so yeah, please, please write in. Christian, we have another great episode this week. In honor of Canada Day and Independence Day, we have a few maple-themed uh, topics to cover this week. Um, and uh, and I'm excited to get into that. We're also going to talk a little bit about one of my absolute favorite things on planet Earth, Earth which is the cottage. Or uh, Christian, do they call it in the United States a cottage or a cabin? Help me out there. Um, I would say the more common vernacular is cabin. A cabin. Okay. Okay. So what we're talking about really is sort of a temporary home. I mean, some of them obviously are year round homes, but a temporary summer home often on a body of water that you use to kind of get away from your normal home. That's what we're describing here, right? Yeah, typically, yeah, we're talking about, like you said, the uh, more often the summertime property um, where there are not nearly as many um, amenities per se. I'm not going to say comforts a home because they're a nice place, but you know, you don't have the necessarily, you know, the big screen TV or the, you know, yeah. uh, all those types of things, but you've got the outdoors, you've got the river, you know, or the boat and all Absolutely. that type of stuff, which is all the stuff you just can't quite get in the quote unquote city, if you will. That's uh, that's very much what I think of it as too. I, I think that uh, it's a good description about that lacking the luxuries. I mean, everybody's cottage um, lives somewhere along that spectrum. You know, it's never going to be as nice as your year round home, right? Cause you, you only spend a, a little bit of time. So it's always going to be a downgrade from your year round home and everyone's going to have a different spot of downgrade. So that can be like a little bit of a downgrade <clears throat> from your normal home. But say, for example, it might be winterized. You might be able to live there in the winter, um, to the total end of the spectrum, which is essentially a glorified tent. Um, so somewhere in between your normal home and camping is what a cottage is. I think <clears throat> a lot of that, it, it's technology is sort of the, the technology of your cottage or cabin is stuck about 20 years before your current house because it's where all of the obsolete appliances gradually migrate to. You know, when you have that old TV that still works, but you're like, this is, I still flick it on and wait for the cathode ray tube to warm up. That's going to make its way to the cottage. It is the hand-me-down 
of houses. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Where yeah. everything is functional, it's just not quite as nice, or maybe just not quite as in style. You know, like the the the, the shag carpet is still there because it's still good. You don't need to replace it. <laughs> That's right. It's still functional, um, and it still has those comforts. And a lot of those kind of creature comforts are what direct you to family time. You know, lacking some of those luxuries, lacking the computer, big screen TV, iPad. You know, one of the one of the most common things for us to do. Uh, when I was growing up at the at the cottage or the cabin, um, was board games and uh, TVs, mm. uh, or sorry, movies on the VCR, uh, VHS movies. Because of course we didn't have cable. There was no antenna up there. There was no satellite. Um, so we watched uh, old movies on VHS. But Christian, I um, I have a few questions for you here. Um, it's cheating a little bit because I know the answer to this first question, which is when you were growing up, did you go to a family cottage? Um, I did, yes, although I didn't start going until I was in my uh, almost of being a teenager. And the reason was is because it is my uh, dad's family's cottage on that side of the family. Um, his father built it, uh, but it needed a lot of work when uh, we started going. So it was very run down um, and my parents just didn't have the time to do it, of course, having two young children. Um, and so it didn't really kind of get done until I was kind of in the 10 to 13 range mm. um, because my dad and his brother um, at the time, who, uh, quick aside, um, had polio. Uh, oh, believe my it or goodness. not, he was one of the last people in Canada diagnosed with polio. Oh, I'm so um, sorry to hear that. And so well, it was, he, he lived a long, healthy, for the most part, life, but was just a little bit physically um, incapable of doing, you know, general contractor stuff. Right. So, I mean, he lived otherwise relatively un, uh, unopposed. It was just, you know, couldn't really do carpentry per se. Um, well, I think, I think if it had a good ending, I hope it's uh, not too unreasonable for me to make the joke. Was this, was this cottage work done in 1920? I mean, you would think so because, I mean, you would hope that a lot of people were vaccinated for polio by that I point. I would have thought so. Um, but actually, my dad still tells a story, a uh, quick vaccine story. Um, that He actually had – it was like an oral polio vaccine and he described it as almost like a sugar cube that he like took as a really? kid. Wow, that's really um, that it looked like, I had no idea. And it was uh, – yeah, so it was really uh, kind of – uh, bizarre thing. But anyway, we went up when we were kind of 10 to 13 and started then. And then it kind of has evolved into uh, what it is today, which is actually my parents basically live there during basically May through November um, mm. when the weather is, it is not winterized. Um, but they basically live there, both being retired. It is their favorite spot. Um, and so they basically live there as soon as it's warm enough to the last day when they're still shivering and they're like, I guess we should go home. So <laughs> I think that's another very, um, you know, when I think of when I think of people um, in their family cottages and the way that they think about their family cottages, I think that is another very important aspect, what you're describing with your parents, which is that it is also in a way, I think for a lot of us, we picture it as our retirement home. You know, we, we hope to escape the city and live up there for as long as we can someday. I think that's something that sticks in the minds of a lot of people, almost sort of like your, your heaven before heaven, if we can say it that way. Um, so certainly uh, something that I think about quite a lot. So I've been to your cottage, Christian, and one of the things that I um, really like about it, one of the unique things compared to a lot of cottages uh, and compared to the cottage we went to growing up is that it's on a river, which is really, really cool. Um, you don't get a lot of cottages on usable rivers, um, but it is a fast flowing river. You know, it's not uh, not for the faint of heart. And uh, that begs the question. So um, a couple of weeks ago, we took our daughter for the first time to... Um, uh, my my father-in-law's cottage where we took her swimming, swimming in the lake. Now it's a very shallow lake and it's very silty. So it, it felt pretty safe at the time, but it really got us kind of begging the question, you know, how quickly, how aggressively do you introduce, um, you know, natural bodies of water and, and swimming to, uh, to our daughter? Um, and so it got me thinking, Christian, would you, <clears throat> at, at what age would you ever feel comfortable um, allowing your daughter to swim in that river? the one by your uh, parents' cottage, um, or ever? Is that a swimmable river? And how do you feel about sort of uh, swimming in, you know, let's call it, let's call it nature and your daughter swimming in nature? Well, first, I'm going to just come in and say, like, how often do you use the word silty 
in common <laughs> vernacular. Just had to point that one out. That was well played. Um, I have no quorums at all, you know, with my daughter being in natural, um, you know, bodies of water. I mean, obviously you want to have, I would think, some level of just um, general ability to swim, you know, to be present. Um, not that she knows how to swim by herself, but I mean, we had our daughter swimming on vacation, like in a little pool, you know, with floaties on at a fairly early age. I mean, again, we obviously held her the entire time. Uh, but um, no, I think it's really important to uh, personally to introduce children to that type of thing, I think at an early age, assuming they're comfortable, of course. Um, because um, I mean, not only is it a, a kind of an important, I think, kind of part of experience of, you know, growing up and everything like that. But, uh, you know, I think that exposure is is healthy. Um, I, you know, we talked a little bit, I think, on a previous podcast about like, what's that kind of balance between kind of natural exposure? I think we use dirt kind of as the, mm, um, yeah, you know, yeah, as yeah. the comparison there. But, you know, in terms of that kind of thing versus, you know, only in the perfectly sanitized pool, you know, and kind of you know, that kind of thing. I think it's important to, you know, give them that experience, of course, within, you know, the safeties and confines of, uh, you know, parent supervision and appropriate uh, safety measures. But no, I think it's a very important thing, not only from a, um, you know, kind of, you know, parent wanting them to, you know, experience the the things that you experienced as a kid, but also for, um, you know, kind of natural exposure and development. I think it's also very important. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Totally. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's it's a balance and it's a delicate balance and it's hard to know when it's too early. But, you know, I think I think it builds up confidence. You know, I think it allows them to feel more and more comfortable in water and thus want to learn it more and be a better swimmer. And, and I think it's important that they have that innate desire. You know, you can't convince her to want to swim. She has to want to swim. Um, and I think you can do that by showing that being in the water is fun. Um, and I think it's way more fun being in natural flowing water. So totally with you, my friend. Now, when you were growing up uh, at the cottage, what kind of things uh, would you do? You know, I'm, I'm kind of picturing as with so many of us in the, in the Toronto area growing up, it would be, you know, Friday afternoon would come along, particularly on a long weekend. You try to escape the rush hour, maybe a, an hour or two early. Um, take uh, take one of the highways eastward and northward and, and get out of the city. Um, and uh, so once you got there, what would you do for, for the weekend? And what were some of your favorite cottage traditions when you were growing up? Well, I think you nailed a couple of them, which were uh, board games and VHS movies. So that was very, uh, that was a big one. Um, we only recently were able to get the kind of um, electronic systems that allowed us to do things like internet and stuff like that. So that was obviously growing up, that wasn't a thing. Um, but uh, we actually are a family of card sharks. So we oh, yeah? love, really? yes, we love playing Euchre. We would play for hours and hours on end, uh, way too competitively at times. Um, so we would play that. Uh, another game we would play um, was a game called Uno. Uh, the mm, card game Uno, which was always very competitive. Um, we also played this game called Racco all the time, which hmm, is essentially I don't think I've heard of that one. It's a game where you have uh, you know a deck of cards and the numbers one through ninety nine essentially, and uh, you start with ten random cards that you put in order. And the goal of the game is so like I would draw a card and I could I could either put it and replace one of my cards. Um, or discard it. And the goal was then you had to get your numbers in sequential order from just from lowest to highest, not in numerical sequential order. So then you had to kind of, you know, pick and replace. But then, of course, if you discarded a card, someone else could pick it up. And so then you were trying to like be basically be the first person to get your cards in lowest to highest order. So we would play that um, for hours on end. But hmm. um, so we were a big a... card game uh, family at our at our cottage. That's really great. I had no idea. I uh, <clears throat> I did know that you played Euchre because, uh, and this I suppose will foreshadow what we now inevitably have to talk about in a future episode, but you and I have been in a Euchre tournament together. Yes, uh, we have. We on, did on play. On the same in... team. Yes. And uh, I, we did pretty damn well. I, we did not win, but we did pretty damn well. So uh, yeah, I guess that's where uh, where you get it. All those many hours honing it um, at the cottage. I know one of my favorite uh things about the cottage, one of the things that brings back a lot of memories is the smell. And I think that combination of 
bug spray, a little bit of must in the air and kind of the ash, you know, from a, from a bonfire, which gets me thinking about one of the most important features of the cottage, which of course is the bonfire, um, you know, sitting around together, that warmth in everyone's face uh, naturally keeps the mosquitoes away. Did you have a bonfire at your cottage growing up, Christian? We had more of the kind of just the smaller uh, enclosed fire pit. So like we the didn't have chimney type situation. Ex- exactly. Or the the one that was kind of like the metal box with the screens on all four yeah, sides. Yeah, so you yeah, could yeah. still like you could still had plenty of room to get a marshmallow in there, but Absolutely. it wasn't fully uh, um, it wasn't quite as maybe open air, I guess, as as some of the other ones. We didn't have a ton of our our cottage doesn't have a ton of uh, property um, around it, uh, meaning that our space kind of from waterfront to cottage is small enough that we don't necessarily have room for the kind of big bonfire that, you know, people think of with the really tall, high flame, you know, that type of thing. So, um, so we stuck with the kind of smaller, more conservative, uh, form of it, but, um, well, achieved you know, the purpose you, none, exactly. uh, all the same. Exactly. If you could toast a marshmallow and you can get your face a little bit too warm, a little too burny, then that's it. You've uh, and it and it was always you know you always you know you did it right if you woke up the next day and your hoodie still smelled like smoke, right? Like, you <laughs> yes, know, you, that's exactly. that's how you know that you had the right amount. Exactly. And uh, and so we're going to close this section with uh, taking that memory and uh, and thinking of what to me was one of my absolute favorite bonfire moments is when you sit back and you look up at the stars and you see the 10,000 extra stars that are crammed into the night sky that you don't otherwise see in the city. And I'm very excited for my daughter to grow up seeing that. And I hope that our two daughters together, Christian, can both spend a lot of time at the cottage growing up because cottage surely is the time for friends, both you and I but also our daughters. We'll leave it there and we'll be right back on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris, here with Christian. Thanks very much for joining us. We're going to dive right back into things. In honor of Canada Day, Christian, you and I have a couple of maple leaf themed um, topics this week. And one of mine is my recurring segment. I went a little bit Canadian. There's just a little touch, a little smell of maple in the air. And that's because I'm doing a countdown on my five favorite Canadian foods. That's right, a countdown. Uh, Did I say five favorite Canadian foods right there? It's the metric five. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So you just convert it from miles to kilometers and then uh, from hands into inches and then and then to stones the to rods back into <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and and then you get ten which is the number of foods that I have so uh, number ten I kind of cheated um, I started out with um, amalgaming amalgamating um, a lot of different things together and this is uh, something that I think only um, Canadians would know about which is the President's Choice brand so President's Choice is a is a house brand. Um, Christian, I can't, I mean, I don't know enough about American brands, but like does Walgreens or Kroger's, do they have their own house brands? Is that a thing that our American listeners would know? Uh, so, some of those do. Yeah, there's definitely. So uh, another one that's popular here in Western New York is called Wegmans. Um, Wegmans. So there's a yeah, Wegmans yeah, yeah. brand. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. PC. Okay. So this, this is the exact same concept. So for Loblaws and their group of grocery stores, they have their own house brand uh, called President's Choice, which has been around for a long time. And in Why isn't particular- it called Prime Minister's Choice? Uh, that's a great, great question. And I always, I, that is a genuinely great Canadian question that I we'll have to ask Bob Blah Blah. Yeah, I'll probably write about it on his law blog. Um, my favorite President's Choice thing is uh, chocolate chip cookies. They make an incredible chocolate chip cookie, but I remember their sausage rolls growing up, their key lime pie. Anyway, tortier, I could go on. Number nine is an underrated dessert from the West Coast um, that I think you probably have, have tried before, Christian, which is a Nanaimo bar. Oh, my gosh. I, oh, I, I could eat a whole dish of Nanaimo bar. Um, it's something that does not exist anywhere here in the United States. I can't stand it. Nobody knows what it is. It's I've, I mean, to me, it's impossible to describe because they're like, well, what is it? And I'm just like, it's just like if, if heaven made it into a layered dessert that <laughs> yeah, was in bar form. 
That's what that's, it is. That's well said. Heaven, a layered, a layered bar dessert that t- that turns out to be heaven. Um, that's right. It's basically um, like if you imagine a take a brownie tray, you know, and you're making brownies like a, like bars. So the first layer is this kind of coconut chocolate uh, kind of cookie crumble. And then there's this beautiful, unbelievable, I don't even know what it is, like vanilla custard, smooth vanilla custard. I don't want to know what it is. Because if I want to know what it is, if I find out, then it's going to seem ordinary. (laughs) So I'm just just never going to know what it is. I'm going to have people over be like, uh, yes, and uh, for tonight I've made tenderloin, uh, pork tenderloin with Nanaimo bar filling on top. Um, And for the side, a Caesar salad with Nanaimo bar filling. Um, it's just going to be in everything. You brush my teeth with it. And then it's finished off with this kind of very glossy milk chocolate on top. Um, Nanaimo, of, of course, being a city out on Vancouver Island on the West Coast. Um, but Nanaimo bars, you can get them anywhere. All right. Number eight. We are going to talk about one of the big controversies uh, in Canadian food that we have touched on previously on this podcast, which is a pea meal bacon sandwich. Now, everybody loves uh, pea meal bacon, but pea meal bacon uh, is what is also called Canadian bacon. Now, this is really important to know. If you go to a restaurant in Canada and you order bacon, you're just going to get bacon, the same bacon that you know about in America, what you might call streaky bacon or American bacon if you're from Europe, um, just that kind of regular pork belly style uh, sliced bacon. That's bacon in Canada. But we also have pea meal bacon, which in Canada you would never call Canadian bacon. You'd only call it pea meal bacon, which is a corned back bacon. Um, so it's kind of like corned ham, uh, like fatty ham, um, sliced up um, and and put on uh, often put on a sandwich or served plain. Um, so here you would never call that Canadian bacon. You'd only call it pea meal bacon. And if you ordered bacon, you wouldn't get it. But it's number eight on my list because it is effing delicious, a pea meal bacon sandwich. Number seven is another dessert. I don't know what it is, but Canada's really big on desserts and pastries. Um, and this is one that I grew up with. So it's a little bit close to my heart. Um, Christian, have you ever had a beaver tail? Absolutely. Um, I would always have a beaver tail on the Rideau Canal whenever I would go up to Ottawa, um, our nation's capital, um, for a variety of, um, uh, of different events there, whether it be Canada Day itself, whether it be, um, actually the Ottawa, um, you know, jazz and blues festival, which was always fun yeah, that's right. um, that's right. That's right. or, uh, you know, winter fest, anything like that, skating the Rideau Canal. Um, so yeah, we would definitely have, um, you know, beaver tail, uh, whenever we would go up there, it was almost like, uh, we almost saved it as a attending Ottawa type tradition, um, yeah, because I feel like that's absolutely. what you have to do. I agree. Now for, for those listeners who think that you and I as veterinarians are the most horrible people in the world, murdering tiny, innocent, cute beavers, um, and deep frying. They're not innocent tails. and cute. <laughs> um, why don't you describe briefly to our listeners what a beaver tail is and why we're not monsters? Well, I mean, it's a pastry. I mean, in its, uh, I guess, what would a what would an American equivalent to that be? Yeah, I honestly like, don't even know. It's fried like my, dough. Like, right. It's, I it's mean, I was gonna say fried like dough, a, basically, or I was gonna say maybe like funnel cake. Funnel perhaps, cake. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like yeah, it's basically great, a. Great it's basically analogy. a. a um, uh, what's the word? Like here. Uh, it's a different type of yeah funnel cake or fried yeah. dough. Like a uh, flattened donut. A flattened donut that's dunked in in oil. And then you can get a lot of different varieties, but you know, the classic one that I think most people have had is cinnamon sugar. So if you imagine just kind of like a cinnamon sugar donut, but crispy, um, and they're beautiful, hot, Mm -hmm. I could just have one right now. All right. Number six, I went with potato chips. Now Canada has two, you know, kind of famous Canadian, famously Canadian chip flavors. Um, one of them is ketchup chips, which I've put as an honorable mention because like, I don't mind them. I mean, they're all right, but they're not my favorite. But my favorite Canadian flavor of chip, um, it was uh, advertised as a Canadian thing when I lived in San Diego, plastered with Canadian flags. And that is the all dressed potato chip. I love me an all dressed potato chip that just all dressed is so good. Um, Yeah, they don't really have it here. Although we do have it a little bit here in Buffalo area. You can kind of get some again because we're kind of, you know, Canada light down here. You know, there's a little bit of cross Mm, there between. Um, But I will say um, I will put ketchup chips down on the list of my least favorite foods. I do not like ketchup chips at all. I know some people do. I feel like it's one of those love it or shove it's like, I feel like some people either they love, they love a potato, uh, a ketchup chip or they don't. Um, I 100% do not. However, will 
dummy an entire bag of all dressed. <laughs> yeah. How could you not until your entire face is just that nondescript orange powder? Oh, it's beautiful. Um, number five. So this is kind of cheating a little bit. This is not originally a Canadian food, um, but as with Canadian cuisine, I mean, we are shaped so much by the cuisines of the people who come here. Um, you know, of course, pierogies are very famous in Canada now uh, from our from our um, large Polish population. And that is very much one of the beautiful things about North America and our cuisine. Um, so one of the things that has become a somewhat Canadian, one of Ottawa's most quintessential foods is shawarma. Uh, Toronto now uh, has become really, really big on shawarma, including uh, now it has a big shawarma chain as well. In Halifax, of course, they have something similar, which is the Donaire, um, very famous to Halifax. So I'm going to go with basically, you take a bunch of meat, you slow roast it on a spit with some beautiful um, Middle Eastern spices, and then you shave it into a burrito um, or a wrap, I should say, smother it in garlic sauce, throw a bunch of pickled turnips and stuff on there, and uh, you have yourself a fine Saturday afternoon in your hand. I have to tell you a quick Donaire story. Um, and this is, um, so my, uh, my friend and I, we were driving out east and I think I've mentioned this particular road trip. We were driving out uh, east in New Brunswick. You mentioned the Donair. Um, and there was myself, my friend, his sister, and boyfriend. So there were four of us in the car. And we were driving out. We were doing an out east road trip. And we stopped at this Donair joint. Um, and we got, obviously, like the biggest, greasiest, you know, like I said, most garlicky one that we could. Mm. Um, and obviously, we each got our own. And even though we barely could finish them, and we whatever. And so... We're driving Dripping in white sauce, right? Absolutely. Like it's just absolutely. Like going just down it's, your wrists. Yeah, it's and, to yeah, your elbows absolutely. or whatever. <laughs> it's all down your chin. You know, you should have worn a bib, but you didn't. Um, <laughs> and we, so, so we have them. And so then we, you know, we get back in the car, we go on our way. Well, we are in the middle of nowhere, New Brunswick. And my friend is literally going to shit his pants <laughs> uh, because the donair just ran right through him. And so, um, we managed like that sauce we it it's yeah it's yeah it's it could replace i'm sure they use it as motor oil like in terms of (laughs) uh you know lubricating uh uh, gears but we find a home hardware just in the middle of this random small town new brunswick and but the (laughs) but it's like the tiniest little like mon pa home hardware but the bathrooms for employees only I really hope that they didn't have a toilet display in that home hardware in the plumbing section. (laughs) No, because now I'm just picturing the Donald Glover stand-up routine where he talks about the person pooping in the, in the, (laughs) and then the Asian lady just going poop. Um, But no, so he's like begging the employees to use the bathroom. Like, he's just like, guys, like I'm gonna, I'm literally gonna shit myself. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, whatever. So anyway, they eventually let him use it. And and so we're we come back out and he literally is like quickly briskly walking back towards the car and he gets back in the car and he's like drive and we're like what he's like i just destroyed that toilet he's like i he's like that whole that whole store is gonna smell for a week he's like you need to you need to drive right now because he was the he he, he he thought that he thought the employees were going to be chasing him down afterwards um but uh, that should not discourage anyone from getting a donaire that doesn't happen every time you eat one uh but it's 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 one of the the stories i vividly remember from uh, eating donaire so that's right. Number five on the list, your functional, osmotic, cathartic, and laxative, the Donaire. Uh, number four on the list, probably one of uh, one of Canada's most iconic foods. Uh, I mean, potentially the most iconic is maple syrup. Um, and you'll, you will see maple syrup a lot in Canada. I mean, I think people in the States maybe picture that it's like a condiment for everything um, here. And it, it really isn't. But I mean, it is incorporated into a lot of foods. Um, and one thing it's very popular with, of course, is breakfast. No surprises. We're not talking about anything unique to Canada. But for me, the thing that is a bit unique to Canada and which I love, and in fact, which I had this morning, is bacon. Not female bacon, just regular streaky American bacon swimming and maple syrup, um, you know, that just kind of soaking it in maple syrup um, is my favorite utility of that Canadian condiment. 
Um, we had we would always have maple syrup. We were a, a waffle household, so we had a waffle mm, maker. Yeah. So we were uh, we were more so in the the waffles. Or as we got into high school, and we got lazy. Uh, you know, we would Lego my ego. Um, <laughs> you know, with but there, like you said, there was always um, a, a healthy uh, pool of maple syrup left over. Um, that you could mop up whatever you want or just use your fingers uh, at the end. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially when it mixes with the butter from the waffle too and you get kind of that like butter and syrup together. Speaking of uh, lubricants and laxatives, yeah, that was one. <laughs> yeah. Is that why Canadians yeah. are so regular? I don't know if that's true or not, but it's all the coffee and uh, donair and maple syrup. Well, speaking of sugar and butter, that brings us to uh, my last dessert on the list at number three, my absolute favorite um, they're at every corner and general store, mom and pop store that I pass while I drive around for my job. Um, and I buy them every chance I get. And that is the famed Ontario butter tart. Um, so uh, for those of you who don't know what a butter tart is, Christian and I love the hell out of these. They are not uh, butter. I mean, they have butter in them, but essentially it's a shortbread uh, pastry filled with like pecan pie filling, essentially, um, and then made into like a little individual um a uh, little individual tart. Christian, original pecan raisin. Which butter tart are you going for? Uh, in order, uh, as, from top to bottom, my all-time favorite, raisin. Mm, yeah. Then original, and then pecan. Not a huge pecan fan, but if it's the butter tart that's there, you're damn right I'm going to eat it. Um, but if I had to choose uh, raisin all day. Christian, you're a man after my own heart. We should have just married each other. Number two on the list, one of the, I'd say probably the most famous Canadian food, um, definitely a, a, a very, very solid favorite, has to be made well, and that is poutine. So poutine is a big stack of fresh French fries with a brown Quebecois gravy on it, so kind of like a lighter uh, brown gravy, <clears throat> usually a pork gravy rather than a beef gravy, and cheese curds, which is very uh, important, not mozzarella cheese, but that's a, a pretty common substitute. Um, and the, mar the measure and mark of a good poutine, Christian, what, what would you, uh, if you had a poutine and you had to say whether this was a good or bad poutine, what's your measure for it? What's your mark for whether that was a good poutine? I think the big thing is, well, it's twofold. I think it's the consistency of the gravy. And I think then I also think it's the crispiness of the fries. You know, they can't, you have to eat it right when it's, the, the fries can't be soggy, right? It has to be that perfect balance of, you know, the soft gravy and the cheese curds that are just starting to melt a little just bit with the heat of the gravy, just starting to, but not so much that you've left them too long that the now fries are soggy. That they're uh, Exactly. Well, you took the words out of my mouth. The first one to me is gravy consistency. You want it deep down so that when you get to those last few bites of poutine, you, you're, it's still soaking in the gravy. Um, you'll hear a lot of people call it poutine uh, or poutine. Um, in, in, in Francophone, you'd say poutine, poutine, uh, whereas in English, you'd most commonly say poutine. So either is fine, um, but basically just make sure that you get it with cheese curds. And that brings us to the number one, my favorite Canadian food here on Canada Day, uh, something that I had myself just two short days ago. One of my absolute favorite things in the world, Christian, something I know you love as well, and that is KD, craft Dinner. Now, uh, Christian, can you can you buy craft Dinner in the States? Like when I lived in California, you could not buy craft Dinner. Can you get KD at the, at the Wegmans in Buffalo? No, you cannot. Um, yeah, no, craft Dinner as it is um, as we know it being, like I said, true KD. No, you cannot. There are other, uh, brands. Well, I'll call them imitators. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, you cannot actually purchase uh, KD, um, in and of itself. Which is so fascinating. Um, so KD for, for our listeners is, I mean, it's Mac and cheese, it's Mac and cheese, but Kristen, what, what makes this Mac and cheese special? What is unique about KD? Oh, it's the, it's, the, I mean, it's the cheese powder. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's this like, little yeah. packet of yellow that it comes with that just has this incredibly distinct, like, I don't even know. I want to say cheddar cheese, but it's not. It's oh, it's unnatural. Like, it is. It's, it, just, it's, it's orange flavoring number 236. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. And it is incredible. Um, do you, uh, are, are you a ketchup adder or not a ketchup adder? So uh, it's really funny um, because I was having this conversation with with somebody. You know, we kind of did a love it or shove it ketchup on 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 mac and cheese. Um, and so I'm actually a, I'm actually a little bit of both, which I know is a bit of a is a bit of blasphemy. If it is homemade mac and cheese. 
then no, you eat that au naturel. But mm. there are some cases where I'm getting, no, not KD. Uh, I would never touch perfection. But um, if it's a kind of store-bought box, you know, mac and cheese, uh, then sometimes I might dabble into the ketchup realm, potentially. Not like the Patrick Mahomes, you know, just like <laughs> slathering the ketchup on it. Making it um, a tomato soup. Basically. Yeah, I'm not going to make tomato soup and dunk my grilled cheese in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I will sometimes go to it. But if I'm eating KD, uh, then you best believe I'm having the original experience. Well said, the original experience, KD. Well, there you have it, the countdown um, of uh, my top 10 favorite Canadian foods, or as we'd say in the metric system, my top five favorite Canadian foods. So Christian, continuing on this Canadian theme, what do you have for me this week? Well, I, we were talking about, uh, you know, it being around Canada Day and, um, you know, as as happens at this time of the year, um, you know, Canada Day is um, a little, I mean, a time of celebration, but also a time of reflection. Um, and uh, Chris, I mean, we're not going to get too deep into necessarily the origins of Canada Day and what it necessarily represents in that standpoint, because um, that could be a discussion of many, many hours. Um, but actually, Chris, before I get going really quickly, did you know that it's only been called Canada Day since 1982? I had no idea. I, I had heard of the name. Uh, Dominion Day before. I knew that was a thing. Um, but if someone had asked me when when did the name change happen, I mean, I would have said like 1880 or something like that, not 1980. That's crazy. Yeah. So and and I guess the um, the the uh, turning into Canada Day or the um, the vote to change it was actually a, apparently quite controversial, believe it or not, um, because I guess there were a bunch of people that thought it was like an unnecessary change and it was this kind of, um, you know, trying to rewrite history or reframe Canada or, or whatever. Um, so it actually like got blocked in the Senate a couple of times and then um, had to go through the House of Commons again, but they actually didn't officially have a, a quorum to officially vote on it, but somehow it got through. It was like this whole big thing apparently um which i had <laughs> no idea it's like why but it, it seems like such a immaterial thing to it to does seem kind over. of petty i mean the name of canada at one point i don't believe this is the official name was dominion of canada so they're like okay dominion that's fine canada mm, not fine i mean did they want of of day is that the last option that they had dominion of canada they couldn't those were the only the only options I would have to imagine it's got to be, I mean, much like, unfortunately, most of what politics is now is just like if somebody thinks something's a good idea and you don't agree with that person on most things, you're just going to assume it's a bad idea. And then you're, <laughs> right. so you're going to vote against it. Right. It's right. not necessarily Naturally. that you. Yeah. So um, but uh, uh, but anyway, it also kind of got me thinking um almost kind of like in a year in review kind of way, you know, not that we only have to do those on New Year's Eve, uh, you know, when we think of the sports center year in review. Um, but uh, a few people I know, a few friends of mine, we kind of got talking about favorite Canadian sports moments um, mm. over the past little while. So I have a few that I brought up and I'm curious, I'm going to ask you about them. I'm going to give you my kind of take on them, but then I'm going to ask kind of your thoughts um, about them. And uh, so I'll kind of go in um, reverse order, I suppose, of kind of my kind of few favorites. I'll, I'll talk about um, uh, my favorite one at the end. Uh, honorable mention, though, I was talking to my dad um, and he mentioned Paul Henderson's goal in 72 um, in the Summit Series, which I didn't have on my list, but only because that was a few years before my time. Right. So I guess yeah. that was a little bit before me. But I feel like it was the thing that we grew up with. Um, I, I think if you had asked anybody in our parents' generation what the biggest Canadian sports moment was, it was in the 1972 Summit Series when Team Canada, a team of essentially NHL all-stars at a time when the NHL was composed of over 95% Canadians um, and almost 100% North Americans, um, a smattering of Americans in there, uh, played essentially the Soviet Union national team, and it went to the wire um, they, uh, I believe it was eight games. There was one draw in there. They allowed draws. Um, and we won the final game, um, by one goal winning, uh, ultimately winning the series four to three. Um, my parents tell me about that goal. Like the, the, they were in school. They were like all brought into the gym to watch that game, you know, and like, uh, businesses shut down and like everybody was off the streets watching it in restaurants. I mean, apparently it was like the single biggest Canadian sports thing ever at that time, which is just crazy to think about. So going back to kind of sports, um, 
uh, things that kind of shape our, um, you know, kind of lifespan. So I'm going to go with things that happen particularly in our lifetime. Um, I'm curious. Um, I know I'm a few years older than you, not that I'm claiming life experience by any means, but the first one that I was going to mention was the Blue Jays winning back-to-back World Series. Um, how much do you remember of that? I know you would have been a, a little bit younger than me, but do you remember much about that and kind That's of the, the sports landscape at the time? It's a fantastic question. I I would have to say I do not remember it happening at all. That was before my conscious memory. I was a I was a toddler when they won both of them. Um, but just this week, actually, my dad gave me some hard copy photographs of um, a time when I was about five years old, and, and I got to go on the at at that time it was known as the Sky Dome Field, um, and uh, and run the bases after the game. And we have photos from that game, which would have been in uh, you know 1995, just two years after the World Series. And uh, up to bat is Olerud, and I think Joe Carter is in the on deck circle. Um, and where, uh, you know, we're, we're watching that game. So I don't remember the World Series specifically to answer your question, but I remember growing up at a time when essentially everything that the Blue Jays did was framed around calling them the back-to-back World Series champions. So I remember growing up in in when that was a big deal, but I don't remember the event as it happened. My parents are huge baseball fans, so we were heavily invested in that. As I think I've mentioned on a previous episode, my mom was a season ticket holder for many years. Um, so I, I mean, we were glued to the TV. So that is something I do remember fairly vividly. I also do remember watching over and over. We had a VHS tape of the back-to-back championships, and I watched it <laughs> all the time um, nice. and all the time. So that was that. Was was one that I remember specifically. Um, another one that I was wondering, which I had actually completely forgot about, um, was Donovan Bailey mm. winning the gold in the 100 meters um, with the world record at the 1996 Olympics. Um, do you remember that? I do remember that. I do remember that. I remember him winning. Um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Christian. Wouldn't, what's it? I, I'm, I'm getting this confused now. Um, did he not beat an American in the in the final? I, I could have sworn an American was in second place. And that I remember that being, you know, part of the part of the big deal was that, you know, uh, not only that a Canadian had succeeded at athletics, which was kind of um, surprising in itself, but that we beat an American in America, in Atlanta, um, which is how I remember it. Yeah. And, and then I, I believe, did they not race? Soon after that, did they not have a one-on-one race soon after did that, they? I believe? Yeah, so it was uh, Donovan Bailey and Ben Johnson, and they... Uh, ben Johnson, they, that's right. Yeah. Oh, this was at the Sky Dome. Yeah, right? this was at the Sky Dome, yeah, yeah and then, yeah, you yeah. know, famously, Ben Johnson pulls up with the injury and, you know, this, that, and the other thing and whatever, but uh, yeah, we had the fastest man in the world for uh, for a period of time there, which was, uh, which was pretty neat, because as you mentioned... Um, Canada not known for our summer Olympians necessarily <laughs> as fair much, to say. Um, although much so more now, um, of course, um, you know, shout out to uh, Rosie McLennan, back to back trampoline uh, world uh, or uh, Olympic champion, excuse me, obviously Andre de Grasse now coming up in the track and field and um, uh, Penny Oleksiak in the pool and some other things like that. So, um, so in that standpoint, but uh, yeah, I do, I do remember that. But speaking of, um, you know, Canadians winning in a uh, in a world stage. Now, this is more a Canadian sports franchise, uh, but one that's near and dear to my heart um, is the Raptors NBA championship which happened just a few years ago um chris do you remember what you were doing during that time were you watching where you were (laughs) yes oh man i sure as heck do christian um so i was on clinics um for for that month for the entire um conference finals and finals during my residency so um i was working you know seven days a week at that point and getting home pretty late so i'd record the games and watch them um, on tape delay. So I'd have to avoid the score. And uh, as I would do many, many times, often either turn off my phone or ignore my phone in order to uh, not uh, not have the score spoiled. When they won, so when the clock ran out in the final game, I got so excited that I, I rolled off of the couch and threw my arms in the air, did a little fist pump, jumped around the room, hugged my wife. Um, but in doing so, I kneeled on my phone and uh, smashed the iPhone screen. 
Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that is that was the moment that the Raptors won the championship. And uh, what I had thought was completely unthinkable growing up, which is an NBA championship coming to Canada, um, unfortunately resulted in a smashed phone for me. Well, I... Um... The reason why this particular championship actually means so much to me specifically is I actually celebrated the victory um, in absolute silence. And the reason was is because they won the championship days after my daughter was born. And so I was on the night shift at the time and I was holding my sleeping not even a week old daughter uh, in my arms and had to basically very gingerly stand up, uh, gently kind of, you know, ease her over into my one arm uh, so that I could put my other arm in the air and just clench a fist and hold it up and <laughs> uh, and do that. And there's a group of us. Uh, we mentioned the uh, the pilots that we met in Boston yes. from the previous episode. We have a group chat with them, and of course, we were going nuts, and we were all uh, cheersing a beer to each other. So I had to grab my beer very gingerly out of the fridge, you know, you know, make sure I can go like, you know, without uh, waking up uh, the sleeping babe. But yeah, I had to. Uh, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I got pretty emotional. I'm pretty sure I had a, a tear in my eye, and that's something we've been waiting for for a long time. Um, you know, uh, something I mentioned the pilot, something we wish our friend Zach could have been there to to celebrate with us, and then yeah. having my uh, my my days old baby girl uh, in my arms. So I couldn't exactly uh, do the jump and shout um, thing because that would not only would have been dangerous, as we learned on a previous episode, which is you don't shake the baby, um, <laughs> and then also would have woken her up, and then that's also a terrible idea. So. Um, so I remember that vividly because of, of that particular moment. So I have pictures on my phone of it. You know, I have a video of the last few seconds. But I, the one thing I remember about the video is that the TV is on, but the rest of the house is pitch black. Um, and that's because I have to uh, to make sure it's, um, you know, it, we didn't wake my baby girl. <laughs> that is such a wonderful thing. Um, speaking of celebrations and waking things up, um, can you hear on my mic a little snap, crackle, pop in the background? Uh, only when I stop talking very briefly. I guess are you having <laughs> some uh, weekend fireworks in there in the background? Yeah, there there are a, there is a blasting Canada Day fireworks celebration uh, going out uh, going on outside my house at the moment. So I think they just heard you talking about the Raptors and then clearly said, "Yeah, celebration." That's yeah, so I am I, I must I must have been the stimulus for that. So. Um, um, one, one that I think is, uh, moments that I don't recall, um, because it was prior to us being born. So I'm going back in time a little bit, but I think we have to mention, um, is the Terry Fox marathon for hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so for those people who don't know, 1980, uh, was the year and Terry Fox began a journey, um, that would inspire millions and raise hundreds of millions of dollars for cancer research. He himself was suffering from cancer and had already lost his leg to the disease. Um, And so he set off to run across Canada um, and managed an incredible 5,300 kilometers in 143 days. Um, And I think that's something that when we think of kind of Canadian icons, uh, whether it be sporting, uh, world stage, humanitarian, otherwise you need it. uh, Terry Fox is obviously one that comes up. And so I think that's one that we cannot uh, go, um, you know, a Canada sports conversation, I think, without um, without bringing up. So I think that's a that's a pretty important one. Absolutely. And a couple, I think, really important lessons from Terry Fox, which extend through all of sports, but through all of life uh, as well. Um, One of his principles was that you can make a difference. You know, that the idea that one individual, you you know, sometimes you get stuck in the idea that one individual can't really change anything. It takes a group of people. It takes a movement. Um, But his, uh, what he wanted to do was set out to raise $1 million for, I I thought it was bone uh, cancer research, but, uh, you know, the details aren't um, quite as important. Um, And to this date, uh, both what he raised, he well exceeded that amount, but I believe his foundation has now raised um, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars towards that cause. Um, and of those 5,000 miles that he ran, um, he did so with one uh, limb and one uh, prosthetic limb. 
um, and uh, unfortunately succumbed to his illness during the run. Um, and he is just uh, the absolute symbol for perseverance, for sticking through something um, when you believe in it. And uh, I really can't think of a, a, of a better lesson in all of sports. Well, and I think uh, even just you mentioned not only that particular 143 day trek, but I mean, Terry Fox runs happen all the time now in Canada. That is a right. very common um, cancer research fundraising event. Um, so not only just his uh, particular journey um, as it is in a singularity, but then obviously what is it has then propelled um, at least on Canadian soil, um, you know, going forward, which is everything. But I mean, I remember doing Terry Fox runs in middle school and high school, you know, yeah, and that was too. before I really had any true understanding of really the meaning behind that. Um, and in terms of what it, what it truly means. So, um, so that was one, I don't think we could go again, a Canadian sports conversation with, without, um, Without talking about, I'm going to just make a, a few honorable mentions just because I feel like I have to, uh, you know, uh, flex the maple leaf here a little bit. So I'm just going to say a couple of quick ones and then go into my final one, um, which we can talk about. Um, one of which was um, George Shavalo fighting Muhammad Ali. Mm, uh, and he took, um, yeah, he took him uh, all t 12 rounds um, and was never actually knocked down. Um, so mm, he, while he did wow. not win, he was one of the only uh, fighters that Muhammad Ali never actually knocked down um, in an entire fight. Um, uh, Mike Weir winning the Masters, um, I think, mm, is another one, one, which uh, which is good. Um, again, you know, Katie, Canadians not typically known for their golfers necessarily. Although recently, you know, Adam Hound, uh, Adam Hadwin, Mackenzie Hughes, um, Brooke Henderson on the LPGA, uh, you know, representing well. Um, but Mike Weir winning the Masters. Um, uh, was a good one. Uh, Bianca Andrescu winning the U.S. Open, I think, was a cool one, um, which was good. Uh, but the one that I want to mention, uh, which I think is probably one of the more, and this is also an Olympic one, um, which is with the Olympics coming up, although this is a winter Olympic moment, uh, but was Sidney Crosby's golden goal uh, to win uh, the uh, Olympic men's ice hockey um, gold medal. Chris, do you remember what you were doing and where you were watching? Absolutely. 100%. Um, so team Canada has won a gold medal at the Olympics three times in my lifetime, 2002, 2010 and 2014. And I remember where I was for every single one. Um, so 2010, I was with my dad in uh, the den of his house. Um, I was in university at the time and I went to, to his place to watch it because we had a tra tradition of watching uh, gold medal games together when, whenever we could. Um, but of course, what made that so special was one of these one of the extremely unique things um, that hockey has going for it, um, which you don't see as much in uh, basketball or football, soccer, um, to some extent in baseball, but only half of the time. And that is sudden death. So this was sudden death overtime, which is just such a magical thing. A gold medal game, winner take all, single mistake wins the gold, single mistake loses the gold. Um, and this was Canada's uh, hero, best player in the world at the time. It was on home ice in Vancouver on, uh, on a pass from one of Canada's all-time greatest players, Jerome McGinley, who scored, I believe, at the 02 Olympics um, in the gold medal game, also against the, the United States. So absolutely, what a, what a wonderful moment. I believe it was uh, a Ginla to Crosby beating Ryan Miller. I can picture it vividly in my Iggy! head. One of uh, one of Canada's best moments. Good shout, Christian. Um, I was in my family room watching with my family, um, as the room is so um, uh, appropriately named. And I remember I would have been – yes, I would. we were in university at the time. And I remember then going down – uh, I mean, after we were cheering, hugging and everything like that. And then I remember it was I had my very first car at the time, which was a minivan. You remember Vinny? Vinny Absolutely. served us well. Uh, <laughs> yes. Vinny served us well yes. for many, many a year. Uh, shout out to Vinny. Um, and I remember going down, running down the stairs and getting uh, my best friend who lived across the street uh, growing up. And we taped Canadian flags with hockey tape to our hockey sticks mm. and hung them out the window as we just drove around 
honking our horn, like honking the yeah. horn. And that's and we and there were so many people doing it, you know, people out on the street corners, uh, you know, doing it. It was like uh, I, I, I think that's probably as, as, as close to kind of a World Cup you know, celebration yeah. type thing that we're going to get in, uh, at least in downtown Hamilton. Uh, but, uh, and, and going around and just doing that. And it was, uh, you know, we talked in an earlier episode about just kind of the, how uniting the Olympics can be and just how, when your country's flag is involved, it's just like, everybody's your best friend. Um, and yeah, that's what it yeah. was. And it was just something, you know, that I remember, um, you know, vividly, which I definitely like to bring up to my, uh, American brethren every so often. Um, although uh, shout out to Ryan Miller, uh, great career, you know, retired recently. So a uh, shout out to him, but, um, and, uh, but yeah, I remember, uh, that one vividly also, I, I would be remiss as, as dads of, as girl dads, as dads of daughters, uh, one, uh, I, al- I'm, I'm almost positive. It was that same year that the Canadian women were down to nothing to the United States very late in that game. And they came back in one three two as well right. uh, on to home ice. Yeah, on home ice to uh, to to get the gold. And I remember that game being um, uh, a nail biter all the way to the finish. Um, you know, all the way down to uh, Marie Philippe Poulain. Uh, you know, scoring <laughs> yes. uh, one of those crucial goals um, in there, um, which is which is great. So uh, yeah, some great Canadian sports moments over uh, you know over the years. I'm sure there are uh, many many more um, that are just as important, but those are some that stood out to uh, to me in, in in our lifetime, and also honorable mention to a few that that happened before. Uh, before us so we're going to take a quick break here on the dad joke loading podcast Uh, we want you to get in touch with the show at loading dad on twitter dad joke loading podcast on instagram dad joke loading podcast at gmail.com we want to hear about your favorite uh, sports moments you know whether it's uh, centered around uh, canada or the united states being canada and independence day um, or a particular athlete representing one of those countries we want to hear from you So please hit us up on those different uh, avenues. But we're going to come right back in a few minutes. And when we do, we're going to close this out with one of the reasons we do this podcast, Dad Jokes. So give us a few minutes. We'll be right back here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. And welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian alongside Chris. And we're going to get started here uh, and to close out the episode with one of our favorite recurring segments, Dad Joke of the Week. Now, Chris, I've got a few dad jokes here. Um, Perfect. Before we get started, though, Christian, I just got to I got to pick pick you up on one thing here. Okay. um, which was that uh, best Canadian sporting moments that we did in the last section. Great, uh, great topic. But um, my number one on my list was uh, something that we didn't even uh, wasn't even mentioned. Okay, could could be kind of lumped in with the 2010 Olympic win. But that is the 2002 Olympic gold medal. And the reason for that one for me is that we had not won a gold medal as a country in ice hockey since 1952. And then NHL players were not allowed back in the Olympics until I believe it was 1998. Um, yeah, Nagano, I believe you're correct. That's yep. right. And I think the the in in the women's game, the Americans won that year. So uh, Canada lost that year, both in men's and women's. And we had a shot at redemption in 2002. We had this dream team on, on both the men's and women's side. And we won double Olympic gold um, on the visitor's ice in Salt Lake City. And to me, that was my favorite Canadian sport sporting moment ever so i just thought it needed a little shout out i feel like i remember specifically too that team was ridiculous it was oh, like man. it was like eiserman sackick i think yes. lemieux was on that lemieux, team yep, too lemieux, yep like in the final like it was Ro- yeah Roder, like yeah. that's just yeah niedermeyer pronger i mean it was like a, right. just a hall of fame team it was yeah unbelievable. it's, it's yeah it's Owen the hockey Nolan. hall of fame yeah like you know like standard of of teams you know probably the well, it's hard because I feel like every Olympic hockey team is kind of like a dream team. But I feel like mm-hmm. that was like uh, like if, if Canada had a dream team like USA basketball, um, I feel like that was probably it. That was it. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. 
Anyway, sorry to interrupt. I just had to no, squeeze that in there. Now any, hit me with some dad jokes. Any anytime we can talk about a, a Canada Olympic hockey gold, uh, it it should always take precedence. No topic is more <laughs> important. Um, all right, so I've got a few dad jokes here. I'm going to start off with just you know, kind of your. I'm not going to say run of the mill, but maybe a, a plethora or breadth of topics. Uh, but then I'm going to close it out with three uh, Canadian themed ones to close nice. us out here on our Canada Day episode. Um, but uh, Chris, are you ready to have your socks officially knocked off? <laughs> officially, absolutely. So uh, I don't know if you knew this, um, but I actually had a neck brace fitted about five years ago. Yeah, I haven't God, looked back. Really? I haven't looked back since. <laughs> it's funny, but it's morbid, you know, like that's a dark one. That's 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 a dad joke that, you know, it's, it's only it's only for uh, after dark. Not not when the kitties are around that one. Speaking of uh, after dark dad jokes, um, what does garlic do when it gets hot? I don't know. What does garlic do when it gets hot? Takes its clothes off. <laughs> it's disgusting. I'm just thinking of like a sweating garlic bulb. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, uh, question for you, do you know how to get a good price on a sled? Hmm. No, I don't. You really have to toboggan. No, inadmissible. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of inadmissible and evidence, um, what did the coffee report to the police? Um, I don't know. What did the coffee report to the police? A mugging. <laughs> okay. All right. All, All right, to close off the show this week, uh, we are going to enter into the uh, Canada-themed uh, dad jokes here. So I have three. Um, I had a whole list. I found a, a great site that had about 100 different ones, which we could, probably could have done just the whole episode of. But um, I picked three, and um, so I'll, I'll, I'll start with this one. Do you know why Canadian students are so smart? Mm, I don't know, Christian. Why? They get lots of A's. <laughs> hey we did it we got an a in there yay happy canada day day d apostrophe eh day <laughs> um as we were talking about canada and our uh you know olympic hockey teams um and, and that type of thing so speaking of hockey uh do you do you know what the skeleton was doing at the hockey game <laughs> no no what was the skeleton doing at the hockey game Working the Zamboni. <laughs> ah, bony. Bony. I get it. I they get have it. bones. I, get it. So. I, th I feel like it would work as like, a, as like a genuine hockey joke too, you know? Like, what was the skeleton doing at the arena? Um, well, you know, he's just a dead person still there from the last time the Leafs won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a fun quick shout out to my mom um, because he, she always said her retirement job was to be the Zamboni driver. Um, mm, so nice. we're still, we're yeah, still working on that. So I, she's still going to do that. But, um, but Chris, you, you set me up perfectly for our final dad joke of the week. What do the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Titanic have in common? <laughs> oh, I don't know, Christian. What do they have in common? They both look good until they hit the ice. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for this week of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian. That's Chris. We're so happy that you joined us this week for our Canada Day slash Independence Day edition. Um, make sure to hit us up again, dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram. Thank you, as always, to Canadian producer Ryan, um, as well as Michael Spicer Music and Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist, and, of course, our wives and daughters for allowing us to do this. And you, the listeners, the reason why we still do this. Um, Chris, I had a lot of fun with you this week. I hope you did as well. Um, always, my friend, always. And But we will uh, see you again next week for another episode of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Take care. Happy Canada Day. Mm -hmm.